Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. He's with a man. He's gone to give him out, and then he's rubbed his nose. What about to McCullum? Shane? He might be trying to shake the sweet one after that first one. I might try and slide one in there. Fast. Well, you call it. Let's run out. Let's run out. Let's come on, Sam. Just head on the stage. You'll never see that again. Yeah, you think you've seen it all, don't you? Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast, ahead of round one of the Big Bash 13 season. Proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. I am your host, Tim Williams, here to join me just a couple of days out from the opener. is the one, the only, the most excited bloke on the planet, Maxi Bryden. Maxi. Oh, Timo. Well, two days to go, mate, which makes tomorrow Christmas Eve. Um, <laughs> I am not. I am that pumped. Um, my head's been absolutely spinning with all of these team changes, so I thought it was a good idea for us to have a chat today and just try and update as many people as possible as to what exactly is going on in the world of Supercoach um, and BBL because it is nuts. I can't wait. Maxi, I underestimated how much of a spanner all these round one doubles were going to be uh, to start the season. Like When it came out, I was like, oh, cool, heaps of options. It should hopefully make teams relatively diverse. But there are so many options you can go with to start in your team rather than like if there was one team on the double or two teams on the double, it's pretty straightforward. You mentioned your head was rattling with team changes. It's a tough way to start the season, but it's also exciting. Oh, it's super exciting. And I think the, it feels like things are just changing by the hour as well. Mm. Um, you know, and in changes someone's role and you're making a change to your team. I think the, like, the one thing I've stuck to really solidly this year so far is just having a really clear idea on like how many people I want from each team to start with um, and then just colouring in the boxes with the right player based on who's got the best role or, or the most value price so far. That's the only thing that's keeping me sane at the moment. It's just that little bit of forward planning. But um, geez, it's been wild, and, and even you know, this morning waking up to news overnight about Michael Nisa, it's uh, oh. uh, you got to really keep your head on a swivel. Yeah, Nisa, huge news. We will get to all of that very shortly on today's show. We are going to go through the predicted teams. Now they're all obviously up uh, on the website at scplaybook.com.au, but Maxie's going to go through essentially all the team news that's changed in the last week or two, the ins, the outs, all the key. Key things that have happened that will impact our round one Supercoach teams. Maxie and I are going to reveal our Supercoach squads 
for round one, or at least as close to it as we can get at this stage. I'm in the chair for Experts Voice today, Maxi taking the reins uh, once again for that one later on in the show to drop my BBL 13 predictions. We also have a ton of listener questions that have come in that we're going to go through as well. But firstly, guys, we are two days out from the season starting. If you're interested in the SC Playbook subscription, you'd like to support the site, all the work that goes into it, you can access our premium content Tons of extra articles throughout the season, each and every round from the SC Playbook contributors. Access to our subscriber-only WhatsApp group. The last couple of days, we've added our late mail threads, our general cricket threads, our punting threads for the punters out there. So much good stuff in that. Uh, and, you know, we're recording the podcast today, Tuesday afternoon. By the time that we come around to sort of Thursday, there'll be iterations of all the contributor teams. We'll be dropping our movements in there, our captains, all these great things all the insights into those when the teams do drop sort of 40, 45 minutes before the game begins at the toss. We see what the teams are. We'll be dropping all the information in that, the easiest way to do it. Uh, it also gives you access to the SC Playbook Unlimited Group top prize of $500 and a Big Bash jersey of choice to the winner. If you're a subscriber that wins that, you win 500 bucks and the jersey. If you still enter it if you're not a subscriber, because if you're not a subscriber, the highest ranked non-subscriber to win it will win 250 with the other 250 going to the highest ranked subscriber. The code for that is 863614C if you can knock off the SC Playbook team. Guys, we we tend to focus on the experts and, and sort of the you know the the more the, the tough sort of stuff in Supercoach, the big decisions. Uh, but it is important that we do remember there's a lot of beginners out there uh, and lots of questions around what the loophole is in Supercoach Big Bash. How do we use this? What does it mean? I have whipped up an article on the SC Playbook website that outlines that for anyone who doesn't quite understand it. Hopefully, simplifies things a little bit uh, for you. So jump onto scplaybook.com.au and check that out. Maxi, let's get stuck into our team news. Just firstly, speaking of beginners, uh, there was a question from Andrew Brown that came through on our socials. When are the first price changes in Supercoach BBL? The rules are not clear. Uh, great question, Andrew. So I know in NRL Supercoach, price changes don't occur for three until there's been three games played by an individual. Big Bash, vastly different to that. You play one game your price changes. So be aware of that. And the break-even is relevant for that exact round, whether they hit it or whether they don't. Maxi, predicted teams will start from the top at the Adelaide Strikers. What's the major team news coming out of them? Well, just before we get to that, Tim, as well, just the other thing I think to mention, you mentioned around price changes from Andrew. A really relevant point this year for the first time ever on the triple is that if a player is playing a double game round or a triple game round, they're getting a break-even for all of the games that the team will play in that round. So say, for example, Michael Nisa, he's already got a break-even that's set with an expectation of what his average should be over three games. So if he only plays one or two, he's still going to try and beat that break-even in order to keep his price. So it's a very relevant question and which something which is going to trap a lot of people, I think, in round one who aren't paying close attention. What's your take on that, Maxi? Because it seems a little bit absurd to me, if we're being honest. Like, if Michael, like it's stupid, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But I think just for... Um, you know, the avoidance of too many complications in the back end of the scoring system, it seems to be 
what's done, uh, just so that every player from the same team has got the same same sort of set of rules. Um, it does make it really, really tricky when you're talking about particularly some of these fringe players from the Brisbane Heat. But um, I guess the same the, the main thing is is that it's been consistent. It's been this way mm. uh, for a while. Um, so it's something that you, you've got to really uh, be ready to, to to manage with when you're bringing players into your team. Yeah, look, I don't love it, but as you said, it's sorting those price changes and, and the break-evens and all the stuff in the back end, I understand it. But uh, as you said, Maxie, it's consistent. We know what it is. It's clear to us. So, you know, pick your team accordingly. Mate, I mean, at the same time as well, you know, when you're looking at double game rounds and triple game rounds, you, you're not really wanting to bring anyone into your team anyway who's not going to be playing maximum games as best as possible. Of course, things change. It's going to be frustrating, but it shouldn't change the way we set our teams too, too much. Mate, let's get on to the strikers. Uh, the major team news coming out of the Adelaide boys. Yep, and as you said, we've done big, deep previews in all of the past podcasts, so we're really just focusing on any, any changes of note and late. Um, the big one for the Adelaide strikers since that preview was just Rashid Khan. Um, we know the guy that a lot of people were interested in stashing in their bench for round one, given their double in game two. Um, and, and most interesting, of course, was that they replaced Rashid Khan with David Payne. Um, Payne is a left arm fast bowler, so it's not that like for like skill set that Rashid brings, which has seen uh, Ben Menenti uh, really raise in relevance from his super coach perspective. Um, he's a cheapie. He's been with the Adelaide Strikers, I think, now this is his second season. Um, Off-spinner and, and decent middle-order batsman. He's batted as high as number six for South Australia uh, in one-day cricket. Um, and a guy who I tip to be the number one cheapie this year, uh, pending, I guess, his ability to hold down that spot in the middle order because they've got all-rounders coming out the wazoo. They've got a lot of options. Um, and and it's, it's made a really interesting-looking Adelaide Strikers team. Maxi, the strikers are causing me absolute headaches because they've got the double game week in round two. Uh, they're on the single in round one, and they are the only team in round two on that double. So it makes sense to stash two, potentially even three strikers players on your bench for round one. But I'm really struggling to make a case for any player because of job security, the rotation risk between all the quicks in their team. We look at the roles of Darcy Short, who should open the batting, but he could bat further down the order. We look at with Rashid Khan gone, and you mentioned Ben Menenti, who will probably be the frontline spinner, but there's no assurance of that. Cameron Boyce is an option. You look at the spinning options in Matt Short, Darcy Short, Menenti, Boyce. I find it really hard to go early on any of these guys. We'll get to our team reveals soon, but I'm struggling to find out the best options to lock in. And, and I'm beginning to think that rather than take risks on the strikers this round, maybe planning the team more for, for the doubles in round three. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And I know another thought that I've been grappling with as well is the fact that they come straight out of the double and head straight into the buy, which is fantastic if you're looking to use a few players for loop options. But it also does mean that um, if you find a guy who's got great value, then he's going to be sitting on that low break-even or negative break-even for a round without necessarily getting that price rise um, the next time he sort of takes the field, which is just makes it a bit more of a longer game. I, I think if you had to look at a few guys in this lineup whose roles we can pretty much guarantee. Um, there's really only three or four that I can look at. Matt Short is definitely going to open the batting. You'd expect him to bowl as well. Chris Lynn should bat number three. Um, and last year, before he left the tournament, he was actually matching Matt Short for um, 
batting average. So he was he was really, really fantastic season last year. The other two that I like are Wes Agar, who we know is the new spearhead of this attack. He's going to bowl death. He's going to bowl up front. He always seems to plug away and take wickets. And David Payne, the left arm quick as well, meant to be here for the whole tournament. Um, outside of those four, it is really tough to try and stash. Um, so keep an eye on the team sheet. And like the beautiful complicating factor as well is that James Baisley, new off-season recruit from Queensland, um, he would be a really good guy to potentially look at in round one, but he's got a hamstring injury and is in doubt for that match as well. So a um, lot to look out for in, in Adelaide Strikers. But yeah, it is getting tough to stash given all these complications. Yeah, you say you've got uh, Agar and Payne in, locked into your more than likely that they'll be there in this top 11 for the strikers. You mentioned Baisley there, who's got a bit of an injury niggle. Does he come in? Does he not? Henry Thornton, who's who's an emerging star in our game, I believe. So, mate, I'm not as confident as you. And I was looking at stashing any of Payne, Thornton or Agar, but I think there's a lot of question marks. And I think you're potentially playing with fire. A lot of risk, a lot of reward, but we'll see how it goes. Mate, on to the Brisbane Heat, uh, the boys on the triple for round one. This squad... I mentioned the strikers are a bit of a nightmare. The Heat are probably on another level. Probably need to change your name to the Brisbane Headaches. That's what they've been doing to everyone um, these last couple of days. Um, in terms of the notable changes since our big preview, well, at the top of the order, it was massive. We had Usman Khawaja and Manus Labashain both confirmed to play game one at the Gabba, um, which obviously throws um, a lot of planning out the window, given what we just mentioned about the need for um, break-evens are going to be uh, based against an average of three games. Um, we had forecasts that Colin Munro would be opening the batting at the top of the order with either Josh Brown or Jack Wood. Now it's going to be Usman and Colin up top with Marnus most likely three. The fact that Josh Brown as well pumped a century in a warm-up game down in Victoria, you know, is he going to be sitting on the sidelines or do they bump him up the order, drop Max Bryant and drop Sam Billings all the way down to five? There are so many moving parts um, and the huge emerging one overnight we haven't even gotten to yet, and that's Michael Nisa. Now, here is a guy who would have been off the bat one of the most popular VC options for round one for serious coaches, probably a straight C like for, for a lot of people. Um, he was named in the PM's 11. We've already had a hissy fit over that. And then overnight, he's pulled out of that with soreness. And then to add even more complications to it, the Heat haven't ruled him out playing. So um, if he slots in, who drops out? We don't even know. We're not. We're, this is going to be... Stuff we're going to get that forty-minute window between the toss and the first ball, um, and I think there's going to be a lot of really anxious coaches changing their teams based on the will he, won't he, uh, and the and the lineup for this batting lineup. So, so much to play out in this team, and that's even before you get to the local replacement players as well, who could get a game uh, within these first few rounds. And that's it with Nisa pulled out of that P11s game, PM's eleven game with with soreness is the key word. He's not injured as such. They're just. They know there's every chance he's going to be required for the Australian test team this summer. Could slot in at any time if there's any injuries to to that test squad. And they've just gone, look, we don't necessarily want him playing a longer form PM's 11 game leading into to the summer. So then they've come out and, and he sort of said, look, or Crick Australia might have even been, because he's not mm. injured. They're, they're not against him potentially playing for the heat from the first game. The fact that they're going to be shouldering four overs maximum for them. So, uh, big, big watch there. Moving on to the Hobart Hurricanes, one of the more stable teams in the game and also one of the less relevant super coach teams to start the season. Yeah, look, they just don't really have the draw 
um, to be uh, majorly relevant. They have no buys this season, but their doubles not until round seven. Um, the only things we're really watching here is just the arrival of their overseas. Um, they've got this season on the book, Sam Hain, the Englishman, who's locked in at number four. Uh, and then a middle-order pairing of Corey Anderson, um, the former Kiwi, now American all-rounder, and Chris Jordan at number seven. Now, um, given the nature of those players, that they're probably playing in the T10 tournament. Um, and if they're not, they might be doing something else. Um, but, you know, if you see their faces popping up on the Hurricanes Instagram, that's good news for their roles. I think the one thing to watch out for here is that popular cheapie Nikhil Chowdhury, 42K DPP, who we had projected was quite down the depth charts, um, he's had a barnstorming start to his uh, Tasmanian Premier Cricket career. Now, um, before we get ahead of ourselves, it is Tasmanian Premier Cricket that we're talking about. <laughs> it's not, you know, Sydney Test Cricket, um, as we love to call it. But um, that's put him right in the frame as well as a backup player in that sort of number six, number seven slot um, if he, if he, um, if there is any absence from those players. So um, watch out if you've got him locked in for your loop. Um, you might be better steering towards a salesman or one of these blokes uh, who are going to be locked in as a local replacement player in the next couple of days. So that's the Hobart Hurricanes. Um, I just want to mention as well, a lot of people have got Ben McDermott either on a bench roll or on field, just given his price. I think he's $88,000 to start the season um, after an absolute stinker uh, to end BBL 12. Um, he has been in really good form, not just for Queensland, but also for Australia. Mm. Uh, he was flown over to India to take part in this uh, series over there and did finish the series with a half century. He should have really got the Aussies over the line in that final game. So um, when we talk about money makers and increasing team value, um, he's a guy who's come into consideration for my team as a potential bench stash, um, just knowing that you know with his potential at his price, um, he's a really interesting prospect. Yeah. the uh, I won't be looking too much into the Hurricanes until I believe they're, they're doubling round seven, but you mentioned that the, the man there is Benny McDermott, who probably the only viable one starts just because if he does really know he's capable of, there's a lot of money to be made there, despite the fact that you probably won't really be playing him in your team too regularly. The Melbourne Renegades and some big news out of the men in red. Absolutely. This one really almost broke the internet. Uh, one of the big debates in preseason has been, do you not, do you or do you not get Decock in for round one at $180,000, their first draft pick? Um, and then it emerged very innocuously um, that he's not even here for the first two games because he's playing T10 cricket. Now, I don't know how we all missed this. Um, all it took was a simple phone call to the Melbourne Renegades from Tim Mitchell at News Corp to unearth this bombshell. Um, <laughs> but that's really opened up the uh, the batting order for this club um, and, and gotten in a few new roles. Now, the other thing that's happening at the top of the order at the Melbourne Renegades is Sean Marsh. Um, we've said this on the podcast before. He's made of old recycled newspapers and he hasn't taken part in their um, pre-season match. Um, we assume because of injury. Um, he hasn't played any cricket in Perth recently, no grade cricket to speak of. Um, he is talented enough that he could step in in game one and shock us, but um, in his place at number three, as forecast in the lineup, um, we've got Jake Fraser McGurk, who he did have down at number five or six, um, and Nick Maddinson as well, who skipped at the club last year. Uh, he's been projected to open uh, in place of the clock. Uh, Maddinson's opened in the past for both the Stars and the Sydney Sixers. Um, he did so in the warm-up game as well. Uh, he also bowled. He, he bowled a few overs as well, and I think that he's going to be the sixth bowler in this lineup, which could be stealing overs off of Will Sutherland. 
Um, so that that batting order, just to just because there has been so much change, Joe Clark, Nick Maddinson to open, Jake Fraser McGurk at three, Finch four, five, John Wells, and number six, Mackenzie Harvey um, himself had a fantastic practice match there. Um, he's probably the next batter in um, once those guys, uh, DeCock and Marsh, sort of return to the squad. Yeah, Kane Richardson was another one there who was under a bit of an injury cloud but has been cleared to play. He's obviously good to go. Uh, and after starting my original draft side for the season, made his way out of it when there was word on the injury, well, he's come back back into the Kuma Stallions outfit for round one, and I'm bloody excited about it. Mate, the Melbourne Stars, we'll, get the, we'll talk more about the Renegades when we get to our team reveals, and probably the Melbourne Stars as well, being two extremely relevant teams to begin. Uh, the Melbourne Stars... There's, I think you mentioned it in one of your articles or a podcast. Always something going on at this club, isn't there? And, and nothing's changed of late. They would name the stars because they really wanted to be the headline grabbers in Melbourne. Um, at the moment, they're grabbing it for a bunch of weird reasons. Um, and it's mostly to do with issues around customs and passports and uh, and knocks as well. Um, so the, the club, since we spoke about them last, they've signed um, a bunch of new internationals. So uh, they've got Liam Dawson, left-arm orthodox spinner from England. He'll play the first four games. Um, awkwardly, um, he will leave and swap places with Imad Wazim, who's the Pakistani like-for-like replacement and left-arm orthodox spinner um, at the uh, halfway through their second double game week. So it is a bit of a spanner, uh, and as such, I, I'd be avoiding him. Um, but even then, it's just emerged overnight that um, uh, the other two Pakistanis they picked up through the draft in Osama Mir uh, and Harris Ralph, um, they have been given the knocks, which is the no objective... Uh, C, whatever the C stands for, uh, to basically allow their board um, permission to play in this tournament. Um, they're going to be playing, but they're only going to be playing until uh, December the 28th, I believe, or 27th, um, which means that it's it's half the tournament. Um, unfortunately, these star squad who are extremely relevant given that they've got three double game weeks between rounds one and rounds five. They've got to be in one, three, and five. Um the Stars Pakistani contingent will be departing um, before that third double game week. So it does make them a little bit of a risky pick um, to bring into your squad, given that like you're not going to get that full value out of them. Um, but it probably also will keep them um, a bit pottish uh, from conservative coaches. Um, elsewhere, the team's fitness looks pretty good. NCN's been bowling in the nets. Um, they've got a few local players signed in Corey Rocchiolo, who's another spinner, uh, and John O'Merlo, who's an all-rounder as well, who could get a game late in the season. But um, again, trying to pick their lineup and where Marcus Stoinis fits in in particular has been really, really tough. So, But it does sound like at least the Pakistani uh, pair of Amir uh, and Ralph will be here for game one on Thursday at the Gabba. Yeah, the, the confirmation of Ralph in particular coming in, Colton Isle was a guy that I was a little bit, well, more than a little bit keen on uh, for that round one double. But with Ralph coming back in, you know, every chance to rest, he'll probably get injured. So at the price, I'm steering clear, but a serious uh, pod start the season. And the other one I was going to mention there, Bo Webster on PM's 11 duties. Maxie, we spoke before uh, about the break evens and how they operate over these double and triple game weeps. Weeks. If Webster is available for the second game of the round one double, he obviously won't play round one. Every chance we do get a price drop ahead of the round three double for a bloke who could have a pretty mint role in Supercoach if he's batting sort of middle order and bowling regularly. Moving on to the Perth Scorchers and some bad news for a hot topic and a hot player of the preseason, Cooper Connolly. 
Yeah, let's call it mixed news, Tim, because uh, with the international signing news also came a bit of an injury uh, update out of Perth. Um, so they have gone back to the world with Steve Eskenazi, uh, who's a Perth local who plays over in England. Um, he batted for them last year with mixed results. Um, he's been re-signed again as their third international and would be projected to open the batting uh, in game one and basically for the rest of the season um, alongside Sam Whiteman. Um, this is all because Zach Crawley, the other Englishman they've got on the books, um, he's not available to start the season. So Whiteman could be biding time there. Makes him a really interesting prospect as a near-bottom dollar wicketkeeper guy who could just be a loop for you permanently throughout the season, um, which, I, which I don't mind. Um, but the other sort of injury news is that Ashton Agar is expected to not be fit to start the season. We think he's going to miss at least the first couple of games with a calf, which kept him out of the World Cup, um, which does mean that Cooper Connolly um, would be the frontline spin bowler for this club. Um, I think this has got really good uh, signs for Aaron Hardy, uh, who we thought was already going to bat number three, but now as the sixth bowler in this team becomes really relevant. Um, do we trust Cooper Connolly to bowl four? It's really just going to depend on conditions and how this young man can hold his nerves, but it do- could open up more overs for him. And the other thing is um, Lance Morris as well into the test squad has opened up another spot in the fast bowling attack. It could be Matt Kelly himself who's injured. They've just announced Liam Haskett, who's a 200-centimetre left-arm quick. Sure. Um, and again, if, if, if they've got a first gamer um, coming in, then it could mean sort of more bowling for Aaron Hardy. So he's really firmed uh, and could be in my team later, Tim. you just got to stick around and find out. Yeah, just imagine that. Perth signing another tall left-arm express quick, bloody. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah, plenty of interesting ones there. And you mentioned Aaron Hardy, a bloke who's been in, out, in, out, in, out of my team to start the season. And, oh, boy, he's looking more and more tempting by the day. The Sydney Sixers, our boys, Maxi, especially your boys in particular, uh, far out. It's, it's, honestly, it is preseason. It just hasn't failed to disappoint. A lot happening at the Sydney Sixers. Yeah, let's start with the good. Uh, and that was the announcement of um, Steve Smith as the uh, final uh, roster signing or second final, second last roster spot for them. Um, and he has made it clear that he's really, really keen to play as much Big Bash as he can. Um, the reasons are obvious. There's a T20 World Cup in less than 12 months um, and he wants to be a part of that Aussie side. Um, and even looking before that, Steve's not dumb um, and he knows the T20 circuit and his presence on that is going to be the way for him to keep increasing the funds so he can keep that property portfolio growing. Um, he's going to play <laughs> game one. Mattresses. Um, yeah, that's it. Look, it's it's tough because it will mean that we're not going to know who is the number three um, or in the top three for the Sydney Sixers who's going to be holding that spot for the rest of the season. Could it be the youngster Jack Edwards who's just uh, returned to batting for Manly uh, over the weekend? Um, could it be Curtis Patterson um, who has been dropped by New South Wales but found a little bit of form in first grade as well? Um, the other things to call out is just injuries galore. Um, we've gotten word of a Hayden Kerr side strain as well. Um, there's doubts over Stephen O'Keefe, who hasn't played any cricket so far this summer or much cricket at all with a finger injury. We also know that he's like soft tissue, um, never sort of keeps him on the park that consistently. Um, the other one with uh, is a bit of concern over would be Sean Abbott, um, just given his workload and the fact that he returned home early from India as opposed to sort of hanging around um, and playing all of those matches like some of the other reserve players did, like Tanvir Sanger. Um, it could indicate a little bit of soreness and a potential injury. Um, and if he's out, then their bowling stocks are going to take a real hit. Um, the final update there was that they lost Rehan Ahmed from England and in his place have signed Naveed, uh, 
who was the leg spinner from last year. He's not here game one. Um, so it does all point towards a debut, uh, well, Sixers debut at least for Joel Davies and potentially seeing Mitch Perry, uh, the Victorian who's been signed uh, by the Sydney Sixers, um, getting a debut this Friday at the SCG where it's going to be hot. I think it's going to be 35 degrees. Um, and they're up for a big test against the Melbourne Renegades. Huge watch on that Sydney Sixers team list, especially around the $62,000 Jack Edwards. Sydney Thunder, mate, another pretty settled roster, another not overly relevant team, no double until round four. I was a bit more relevant than, say, the Hurricanes, but, again, a pretty settled roster. Yeah, and look, I think the big change here has just been around the availability of Cameron Bancroft and the injury to Ollie Davies. Now, Bancroft, we had forecast, was going to make the test team um, and not play much Big Bash uh, at all. But his omission from the 14-man squad means that we're projecting that he will bat three for them uh, with Matt Jilks to open the batting there. Um, Ollie Davies injured his hand. I think he's got a hairline fracture that he picked up during the Shield match between New South Wales and Tasmania at the um, SCG. And he should be finding out pretty soon if he's going to be fit to play. I know he's absolutely desperate to turn out for the Sydney Thunder um, this season, but he could also miss a few games. Um, the rest of the bowling attack looks pretty settled. Um, and the only thing, the only other relevance is Zaman Khan, the Pakistani who bowls like Lasith Malinga. Uh, he was also part of the news updates overnight around Harris, Ralph and Osama Mir and their availability coming from Pakistan. And he's only been cleared to play four games, Zaman Khan. So um, you'd expect the Sydney Thunder to have some replacement international players ready to go because um, he won't be around here for long. Thanks for that, Maxi. Uh, as I said, that is all on the website, scplaybook.com.au, in the article. Maxi's predicted 11. He's got the rationale, the analysis, just about everything you can imagine. So jump on there. And as everything drops out the next couple of days, as we've done all pre-season, we'll be updating that yarn and all the yarns on the site as we go. Uh, there'll be a few people out there right now that I can guarantee are in this exact situation. You played cricket on Saturday. You copped a garbage LBW decision from a shit umpire. Most of them are, just kidding. Uh, you offered the boys a lift home. You said, Not even, we'll, go, we'll go via the pub as well. You got back to your Toyota Echo, Toyota Echo and you went, shit, the kit bags don't fit, the bloke tins don't fit. Uh, that's where you sort of go, all right, it might be time to upgrade your little Echo to a better and a bigger car just to help the boys out more than anything. Uh, if you are interested in finding out a bit more and doing this, reach out to Patty and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. They'll steer you in the right direction and let you know what you can afford and how to get the best rate on a loan. Usually it'd sting you $129, but if you mention SC Playbook, it's completely free of charge. Flick them a message on Instagram at Pat and George underscore SCW or just give them a buzz on 02-9521-1611. Doesn't matter where in Australia you are based. Uh, there's also emails and all those details in our articles at scpaper.com.au. Maxi, let's get stuck into our team reveals and we're going to have a very general chat about what we have. Uh, of course, preface this by saying there's probably going to be changes throughout round one, not just before the first ball is bowled, but throughout the round as we see how the teams uh, are impacted and how they're named at the toss. Now, for any beginner super coaches out there, the first game of the round, the Heat versus the Stars at the Gabba, Thursday night at 7.15pm. Once that game kicks off, how your Supercoach teams work. All the players that you have in your team from the Stars and the Heat, they will lock into your team. You cannot trade them out. You can't move them around your squad. They're locked in as you've named them. 
However, every other player from every other team in the competition, you can still make trades and, and change things around until their team has played. So especially in round one, it's important as the teams get named to be on the ball with this and chop and change your teams accordingly. Maxi, let's start at the top. We will start with wicket keepers. Who have you got there? Mate, my wicketkeeper spot at the moment on field, I've got Sam Billings from the Brisbane Heat uh, with his triple and taking the gloves off Jimmy Pearson for the first two mm. games. Uh, and on the bench, I've got Sam Whiteman from the Perth Scorchers as well, who should open uh, for at least the first couple of games and then could potentially become enough. Any other wicketkeeper bats in your squad, potentially down in the batsman position? Yeah, one other guy, uh, Joe Clark from the Melbourne Renegades. Um, again, we'll take the gloves for the first two games. Um, a good player who I've owned in the past and he's pretty consistent uh, with his approach to his batting. Um, I think as well, just quietly, I'm warming a little bit to the draw for the Melbourne Renegades in round one against the Sydney Sixers and the Perth Scorchers with some of these outs in the bowling lineups of those teams. I think it does make it a bit of an easier challenge um, for these Renegades batsmen. So um, I, I quite like Clark. Um, had him since day one and he won't be leaving anytime soon. Yeah, my wicketkeeper bats in the slot at the moment, the wicketkeeper slot, Joe Clark and Sam Whiteman. And I've also got in my batting slot, as it stands, Sam Billings and Sam Harper has found his way into my team. The reason for this is not that I, I think Sam Harper is a knockout pick in your team, but it goes back to our man, the, the dual defending champ, Andrew Langley, and his logic around Sam Harper and playing the draw. I think in the, the Q&A podcast, uh, the first podcast of the BBL 13 season, big Q&A with Andrew, picked his brain, and he sort of mentioned the importance of playing the draw and you know focusing on maximising double game round plays. And I'm like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Like, we know that. Just kidding, Andrew. Mate, we love you. But <laughs> it, it was really emphasising, no, 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 it's not just playing the draw and who's got the double coming up and who's got the buy and that. Like Andrew has gone, he went into detail on that podcast and since then, just on how deep he goes into his preparation, his planning, I should say, he's planning all the way until the final round of the season on plays that he can loop, maximising his double game round plays across the season, making sure that you know he doesn't have too many from one team on one round. And he gave a really, really good insight into that, that, that certainly... A lesson that I've learned, you know, I'm a super coach nerd. I do my planning. I plan deep into the season. But Andrew, hence his success, goes that extra level. And this is where Sam Harper comes into it. And, and he mentioned the fact that he's basically got the all-important wicketkeeper loop with his current wicketkeeper setup, spearheaded by having Sam Harper. And Whiteman's the other one who has the buy for the Scorchers in, I think, round four and five it might be. So you've got the wicketkeeper loop the entire way through until about pretty well around nine, just about. And I think that's something invaluable. And, you know, to boot, Sam Harper had that, was a 63-ball ton in shield last week. So mm. the form's there, the roll's there, the draw's there with two doubles in, in round one and round three. So uh, that's how I've lined it up, Maxie. Yeah, I, I don't hate it at all. Um, and and he's, he's certainly coming to calculations for me. Um, I'm really trying to keep an eye on how many stars I've got. Mm. I don't want to get tripped up by the round two buy, particularly if any of my cheapies um, only play round one and don't play round two. So that's the only reason I haven't gone harder at the moment, but um, I can't knock it at all. 
Yeah, after I think having a crack at you a week or two ago about how many stars have you in your team, I've actually now gone with three. But what has changed with <laughs> my squad is the fact that I've gotten rid of Shoudry. So I don't have a non-playing reserve. All the players in my squad should be active uh, and playing regularly or going to plan. Maxie, what about your batting order, mate? Who have you got there? The rest of my batters, I've got Tom Curran, who I currently have the C on. Um, however, I am open to changing that. Uh, I've got Colin Munro as well, being quite impressed by his form in the recent T20 tournament. I just think that um, there's every chance he's the highest scorer after round one. Uh, Clark, as I mentioned, Maxwell. Paul Walter as well from the Brisbane Heat, who I am cooling a little bit on just given this Nisa news. Uh, and on my bench at the moment, I've got Marcus Stoinis with the uh, loop on. Uh, and Chowdhury as well. I've still got Chowdhury, but um, again, he's another one who I'm deeply considering. And if we do get word of um, any job security for a guy like potentially Jake Fraser-McGurk or even Nick Maddinson, um, I could look that way instead. Interesting on the Chowdhury because he's out of my team and I'm... I don't particularly agree, Maxie, that that is necessary. We spoke about, I think, last podcast mm. that... You know, there are so many buys that we're nearly always going to have loop options for our teams, so you may as well be banking that money from an active player. It's yeah. Also, you mentioned, like, you know, carrying stars who, you know, if you have two or three, you've got the buy next week. If players are out, anything happens, you could leave yourself a little bit short. You know, you've just got that extra active player on your bench. That being said, it was, it was a topic I was going to bring up a little bit later, but let's chat about it right now. There was a question. Let me get it up. Coming later, but we'll get into it immediately. It was around, yeah, it was from Simon Massey, no, from Damien Davies. Given no buyers first up, do we bother with one or two loopholes for game week one to cover Mm -hmm. captains and positional loops? It's a great question and one that needs discussion because I am not looking to really loop in round one. I'm pretty accepting of the fact that whoever gets my captaincy probably will be my captain for the round. I've got a few players on the bench that, you know, even if they go big, I'm probably going to struggle to get them in on the loop. So that's where Chowdhury for round one, at least, Maxi becomes a great loop option. Whereas as it stands, I don't really have to do it. So to the point that, like, I've got a Jake Fraser-McGurk on my bench at the moment. If he's to go nuts in game one, or let's say I've got Michael Nisa as my vice captain right now. This is obviously based on Nisa playing. We'll get to that shortly. It might be Glenn Maxwell who's your vice captain in game one. I don't have the loop in my team right now. So I've looked at options to bring into your team, players that won't play round one, but you still get used out of Do they have a double coming up? They're unavailable due to PMs 11, an injury niggle, whatever it might be. One option to bring in. It has to be done by game two, but it's Quinton de Kock because he's a bloke you can get in. He won't be playing round one. He's a gun. He's got the round three double where he'll be a great pickup and probably relatively low ownership, but he's going to cost you 180K. So it's going to cost you, but these are the lengths that I have to go to if any of my, say, VC or bench emergencies go really well. What's your thoughts? Sorry, I know that's a mouthful for listeners, but <laughs> I hope it came across okay. No, no, I mean this is the ramblings of an absolute genius, Tim. Um, <laughs> I think you, I think you, I think you got to, um, you got to respect the mindset because I, I think it, it has been one of the things that I've 
you know, been grappling with. Um, and, and look, right now, if I look at my team, the 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 two of the people in the absolute gun um, for me at the moment are Stoinis and Walter. And I'm looking at them going, Walter, I did think that maybe there was a chance he could bowl a little bit of death to go with his batting tonight, but the heat batting lineup's a little bit longer on Thursday given it's got Manus and Munro. You know, am I just signing up 105K for a guy who's going to bat six and not bowl, mm. right? Marcus Stoinis, on the other hand, what's his regular role? He's going to bat five, he might bowl. You know, there's always question marks on his bowl. He's due a side strain, right? It's like, it's as regular as, you know, like a, it's Christmas coming around every single year. It's just what happens in in, in summer. Um, it's like, I know right now, if I could drop Marcus Stoinis from 116K down to like a Ben McDermott for 80K or even a Fraser McGurk, I'd have enough money to turn Walter into a Nisa. Then you bring in the VC. Like, it's it's not awful thinking by any stretch if if that's what you need to mm. to make it work. And I think that your point is is extremely valid um, around there's enough buyers this season to kind of make it work with your active team. The only other option that you could see or, or make this happen would just be that we get boosts. Mm. If your VC is big enough and important enough, do you just get a guy into your team for one round, start with enough, and then turn him into the best value cheapie next week. Like, say, for example, it is Chowdhury, and we know that he's not named, or, you know, the the team list falls and he's in, then you might go to one of his teammates or something like that, like a Sam Heaslett or um, an Ian Carlisle if he's in your bowler's slot, whatever it might be. You know, it's not going to cost you that much money to turn him into Darcy Short next week. Yeah. Or Ben Menenti, if he does have that plum role. Like, it's not going to completely break the bank. Um, and you could just, you know, write that off as your boost and you're laughing to the bank because you were the one ballsy enough to nail Sam Billings or Munro or, yeah. or whoever it is. So um, it could work. Um, you got me thinking. I don't know if I can afford it as well. Um, 180K is a, a lot of money to spend on enough. Like, it'd almost be a world record enough. Yeah, I'd be um, you'd, be, you'd, be, you'd be going for it. But, geez, you'd have a yarn to tell if it worked. Yeah, yeah. There, there's merit in it. So it'd take a big VC score or a big emergency score, but it might come to that. It might come to that. Uh, the rest of my batting lineup, I've got Tom Curran, Sam Harper, Glenn Maxwell, Marcus Stoyne, Sam Billings, Cooper Connolly with the dual positioning there, and Jake Fraser McGurk. Maxi McGurk is one. The, the Connolly McGurk options, I'm happy enough with, but they annoy me a little bit just because mm. I'm not really potentially getting much value out of them as players. So I'm bringing them in. Sorry, I'm not entirely playing the draw with them. Because I might get some cash gen, but they're probably not going to play in my team. McGurk, that round three double, if he's going all right, probably plays in my team. But when DeCock does come back, where does he bat in that order? Will he even play for my team? Connolly, I quite, I'm just, I'm rolling the dice with Connolly. I think his role can be good enough. It may not pan out that way, but at 70K, even those the buys in round four and five, I think he's going to be great for looping purposes. I'm just going to take the gamble and, and probably a bit of gut feel on, on his talent there that he can get a good enough role. Um, Fraser McGurk's an interesting one. You've got him at number three in your current lineup. If he drops any lower than three, he probably drops out of my team potentially for Darcy Short, who I have really, really mixed feelings about. I just don't trust his role or spot in that team. Uh, no Fraser McGurk for you? Not at the moment, um, but I could be swayed. And I think the thing you've got to remember is like we saw last year what Will Sutherland was able to do 
by just getting to 20. Mm. Now, he's a guy who didn't face many balls but was capable of finding the fence. Um, And McGurk doesn't have to hang around for a long time in order to score some decent scores. Like I think in the trial match on the weekend, he sort of went 6-6 out. He scored like 22 off nine nine balls. From a super coach perspective, that's awesome. Like that is so good, right? Because he's unlocked the bonus. Can you, he's can got you explain maximum... actually that um, that strike rate bonus to the the average the, the regular the rookie player, I should say, out there? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the more difficult bonus points to unlock in SuperCoach um, is the strike rate bonus. So that's a percentage of additional points that you get on top of the runs that you score um, based on how quickly you strike the ball. Now. The difficulty with this rule, um, and I think you can think, thank Tim Mitchell for this one from News Corp, um, is that you only get the strike rate bonus once you get to 20 runs. Mm. So it's always a point of frustration and it'll always happen to the bloke that you picked as opposed to the bloke who you didn't pick. Um, that, you know, he gets out for 19 and he's missed out on an extra, you know, 20, 30 or 40 points um, based on his strike rate bonus. So um, it's, it's certainly something where... Sometimes a more steadier hand in your bat, as we saw last year with Aaron Hardy, um, can really help you become uh, a good scorer and super coach. Yeah. So how that point scoring works is if you have a strike rate of 160 plus with the minimum runs, as Matt actually said, 20, 20 runs required, a 160 plus strike rate nets you an extra 25 points. 150 to 150, 150 to 160, I should say, gets you 20 points. 140 to 150, 15. 130 to 140, 10. 120 to 135. If you're below 120 strike rate, no strike rate bonus, which uh, is a bit of a dagger. Mate, what's your bowling attack look like? Bowling attack so far, um, this is where I've had a a, a little bit of movement um, of late. Uh, I've got Tom Rogers from the Melbourne Renegades, brought him in after the Kane Richardson um, glute, but I could easily swap them around again because that's 40 grand that I could use elsewhere. Got Aaron Hardy, who I really like as a chance to bowl in the opening two rounds. Um, he'll be my pathway to Matt Short. I'm not planning on him sticking around long term, but um, I do like his potential uh, to start the season. Adam Zampa, who I think is in a lot of teams. Spencer Johnson, um, who I'm planning at the moment to VC. Um, looks fit. It's just uh, a video has just dropped of him bowling um, at heat training and bowling very nicely. So that was enough uh, for me to put the armband on him. Uh, Matt Kuhneman as well at 104k mm. on the bench. I've got Tanvir Sanger and Ben Menenti, the money makers. So that's the bowlers for now, mate. What have you got? I have gone with Jai Richardson, Kane Richardson, Adam Zampa, Spencer Johnson, Michael Misa. Sounds controversial, but. Look, if he's picked for round one, he's in. If yep. he's not picked for a game one, well, he's out. Players that could come in for him, uh, both places that you've gone with Maxi, and they're Colin Munro and Aaron Hardy, who are very easy replacements for Nisa. I haven't shut the door on either of those two guys either for my round one team. So it could potentially come in regardless. And on the bench, Tanvir Sanger and Ben Menenti, your boy who I'm putting a bit of faith in you on that one, Maxi, and uh, <laughs> I hope I don't live to regret it no look I, I i reckon he's i reckon he's pretty rock solid but um you know I, i've been wrong before that's the funny thing about giving opinions um but it's it's an interesting bowling lineup you've actually spent a lot more money down there than i think i have um got some big name players uh, what was your thinking around jai i think he's a superstar and he's on the round one double 
And, you know, we look at cash generation early on and, you know, what if he doesn't score that well? I think he will because he's a gun. Um, you know, there's always an injury concern with Jai Richardson. There's been one recently, but I think his price, the injury concern, there are a few little red flags due to his price, but I'm hoping that keeps people away from him and then I can lock him in as a gun in my team. And the other thing, mate, he's my easy ticket uh, to Maddie Short next week. So if people are mm. wanting to make trades and they're scrambling for money a little bit to get Maddie Short in, let's say Maddie Short might go nuts in round one and all of a sudden be 275K. At least I know I've got my ticket to Maddie Short next week. Um, Barring, I mean, Richardson bowling one ball, getting injured, getting one point and having a break even of about 3,000. That would be uh, not ideal. But that's why I have gone with Joe Richardson. Yep. No, fair enough. Mate, it sounds like a really, really solid bowling <laughs> list you've got there. Yeah, well, that's the other thing I'm like. I, I've I've gone so hard on, on, you know, getting all-rounders in my batsman slot, I find bowls is where the points are going to come from, so I'm happy to have gone a little bit harder there. Let's talk about a few question marks, decisions that we've got to make with our team, and there'll be a few there. There's one that I know you're not as keen on that I, gee, I want to get him into my team, and that's Mujib. And, you know, we spoke with yourself and Andrew on a podcast a week or so ago, and you were talking about, Mujib being more of the, the defensive bowler, Zampa being more of a wicket taker. You know, largely you're correct, but I don't think that's as, as cut and dry as you think it is. Like I've, I've even I've looked at their strike rates. Zampa gets a wicket every 18 balls um, across his career T20s. Mujib's every 21 balls. Mujib, you know, they saw him off pretty well last year, but I think it was one or two seasons prior. He came out of that massive season Took something like 15 mm. out of 16 wickets in about eight games. The percentage-wise, Zamba's going to be owned by 30, 40, 50% of teams for round one. Mujib's at about 6%. I would be happy to have them both, but I've currently got Richardson and Zampa. Do you think, Maxi, even with the Renegades, double in round one and double in round three, is it probably a bit much to carry all three in my team? Because I'd love to. And I'm even tempted to go Mujib over Zampa, but... Three in one bowling attack seems like I'm pushing it a bit. I don't think it's that bad. Mm. I think you need to judge your renegades on a hold until round four. And the draw's actually really good for them. I'm just having a look as well at the grounds that they play. So they start their season at the SCG. Um, it's going to be a tough matchup because, firstly, there's a lot of right handers in that lineup, which doesn't necessarily suit Majid, but. The pitch has been shocking now mm. for 12 months. Um, it was awful in the Shield, and it could really bring a guy like him into play. Um, and then the Melbourne Renegades popped down to Geelong, um, their home ground down there, which has been quite nice to spinners as well. Round two, they've got a single game week against Brisbane at Marvel Stadium, which is a ground that I would assume they have a decent record on, given its propensity to help spin. Um, and then round three... It's against Hobart at, uh, down in um, uh, Blundstone Arena uh, and then over to Perth against Optus where last year we saw um, his countryman, Naveed, um, get a forfar. Um, surprisingly okay um, for, for spinners over there. So I don't hate it. I, I really, really don't hate it. I would just say that like we've seen a fair bit of Majib in this competition and with the exception of like literally one game, where he got a five far for the Brisbane Heat. Um, he's, he's a known quantity. 
like he's a he's a one for twenty four or like one for thirty yep. type bowler every game. Some games he'll go wicketless because they just don't want a bar of him. They'll just see him off like some clubs do to Rashid Khan. Sometimes he'll get a two far or a three far um, if the Renegades bat first and score two fifty. Um, he's a punt, but like he's a good price. And I mean, I, I look at my team. I go, I've got Matt Kuhneman, like for around a similar price. Like, who would you rather own? Like, who's going to score more points over round one? Like Majib or Kuhneman? Like, it's not cut and dry. Even though the Brisbane Heat have got another game, so yeah. I don't hate it, and I don't think it's too many players either. And then it, on top of that, Majib, you know, Kuhneman gets the should be getting three games in round one, gets an extra game to Majib, but. Come round three, Majid gets that extra game. He makes that up. He said for a similar price. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the other thing because the the Renegades. Oh, sorry, you know, Majid's been at the Heat, the Renegades. He's been at some sides who've battled in the past, and because they get the, we've spoken about it at length. But because they've been lower totals, they've sort of he hasn't had a lot to defend. They've been able to see him off. Whereas, you know, we're putting a lot of faith in this Renegades outfit. I know Decock's not there for the first two rounds now, but. It's a good side. It's a really good side. I think they're going to have more runs in them. And off the back of that, I think there's going to be more wicket-taking opportunities for Mujib, for Adam Zampa, who's been at the Stars for a number of years who have struggled to set totals. So I don't mind Mujib, and he could come in. The other thing, Max, is I've got someone like Fraser McGurk. I'm like, oh, taking a bit of a pun on. Where does he bat? Uh, you know, mm. he might bat at three. He might get two ducks. So I go for an extra 60K. I know it's a bit of money, but it's not that much where I can go – I could slot someone like Nisa down to my my batting spot, get rid of McGurk and bring Majib into my team. Do I want Majib or do I want Fraser McGurk? Taking out the value, Majib, every day of the week. However, there is 60K to contend with. Yeah, that's a move I'd probably be less keen on because I feel that McGurk, if he is going to do anything in this competition... It's just going to be two back-to-back games. He's going to double in price. Yeah. Um, and then you can flip him at top dollar. Um, whereas Majib, like, you're not going to loop. You're going to probably put him on field um, for round one, round two, and round three. Um, but look, no, I, I, I don't hate it at all. Um, it's a good shout. He's, he's a good bowler, and I think your logic is sound. The Renegades are going to go better this year, and they should score more points and take more wickets. So all of their players and bowlers should get a bump in their average. Mm. Maxi, expert's voice. Hit me with your best. Let's do it. Mate, you're in the hot seat. This has been a wildly popular segment. We've had some amazing feedback on this so far. Um, so really excited to see what you've got to say on this, Timo. So um, for those who, have, who haven't listened to the other podcasts, these are basically a, a bunch of questions just to get some really top-line thoughts on what Tim thinks are going to happen during the BBL 13 season. So first one off the bat, Tim Williams, who do you think is going to score the most Supercoach points this BBL season? Look, Ken Maxwell is the obvious one and hard to argue with. Uh, boring answer, though, and it's been said too many times on this podcast this preseason. So I'm going to go with a bloke that's been overlooked and not spoken about much due to his side's draw, and that's Daniel Sams, who should be available wow. for the entire tournament. And I think because the Thunder don't have a double to around four in Supercoach chat, he hasn't been spoken about too much. But, look, we know he's got one of the mint roles in the game. He bowls death. He could bat, you know, sort of six or seven, could come into that pinch hitter role we've seen in the past. You know, he's had, he's scored some runs in the past, but I still think there's going to be some good enough knocks. And yeah, I think Dan Sams could be in for a big one. 
had some pretty hot form three for 10 last night in the T10 league, including one absolute Jaffa uh, to hit the top of off stump. So I like that. Nice pod shout out. Now, next one, the Cheapy of the Year nominee. Now, slightly cheating here, but I've actually gone with a, a teammate at the Thunder, and that's Tanvir Sanger because we've uh, we've sort of had the cheapy at, at sub 80K, and I think Tanvir is at about 83K. But 83? 83, but look, I, uh, I I host this podcast, so I'm going to uh, I'm going to plug him in there and get away <laughs> with it. Uh, yeah, I just think Tanvir. We, we've seen the quality that he's got. He starts so cheap. He's had, he's had injury troubles in the past. He should be playing the majority of the tournament, hopefully all of it. And we've seen him have some success success over in India recently for the Australian team. And I just think this is Tanvir's season to if he can stay fit, uh, he could blow it away. And actually, just on Tanvir, we sort of didn't speak too much about him in the teams, but. He's in your side. He's in my side. Mentioned that the Thunder aren't overly relevant until round four when they have the double. But at that price, for bloke who should be going up a fair bit in price if he if it all goes to plan, the Thunder play early in round two and three, and he's a great loop option to throw on your bench as your auto emergency. So I think Tam is a great pickup. Good advice. Uh, not good following of the rules, mate. You sound a little bit like the BCCI on, uh, <laughs> on this one. Just 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 making it up because you're in charge. Um, so who is your round one pod? At the moment, it's Kane Richardson at 8%. I could be steered towards Mujib, who is at 6% uh, at the moment. Yeah, I was a little bit keen on Coulton Nile, a little bit 2%, but... I think that was probably letting the heart take over a little bit and what he's done for me in the past. I'm going to avoid him. Who are your top three must-haves for round one? Another one of the things that's been said in the past, I think Maxwell's the only must-have that I think you're mad not to start with. But taking into to consideration things like draw, things like price, all these sorts of things, look, he's not a must-have, but he's, he's one of the best, most closest to must-haves that I think I've seen. It's Marcus Stoinis. I understand this can go wrong. I understand he could bat down the order, not bowl. He struggled the past couple of tournaments, but we've seen him been getting a few runs for Australia here and there. We know the class is there. We know the big bash abilities there. He's in the prime of his career. Uh, I think if you can just roll the arm over a little bit for, for these stars as well at that price, I just don't see how he can go too, too far wrong. But if you do avoid him and he does take off, bowl a few overs, find form with the bat, he can be left behind very quickly with two early doubles. Uh, and the other one is the bloke we mentioned before, just Tanvir Sanger. I think the fact that we can get him so cheap, the fact that he has those early great loop, the draw for the loophole in round two and three, and we can, I know it's a little bit of way down the track, but that round four double to have a Thunder player locked in where not many people will, uh, I'm happy to get him in early. If he strikes and goes well in the first two to three rounds, he might be 150, 160K by round four. So uh, I think Tanvi Sanger. Yeah, I think that's pretty sound advice. Um, who will be the most improved player in BBL 13? Improved is a loose term to use in, in my sort of, again, probably bending the rules a little bit. I'm going to say improved based on last season's Big Bash. Uh, it's Benny McDermott. You touched on him earlier in the show, mate, but he's about 88K, an absolute stinker of a tournament in BBL 12. The tournament before that, he went ballistic, scored a ton of runs. I think it was 500 plus runs and, you know, as you said, he just punched out a really nice half century for Australia over in India. The talent's there. Uh, you don't keep a good bat like him down too long. So at that price, he should be one who he should be one of the biggest money makers, I think, by the end of the season. 
might have to give him the moral most improved player, um, <laughs> given his 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 gun status. Um, which club or which two clubs will make the big final? Renegades and Scorchers. Renegades are just stacked this season. A lot of their side are on deck for the majority of the tournament. I think this could be their year. They're, they're building well. They're international recruits. Even like they're just they're so well set up for this, and their depth is tremendous too. They've got enough depth there that if blokes are sort of in slightly out of form, they can bring in so many different players to that squad. So the gauge are to take on the Scorchers. Righto. Okay. Now, and the final one. What's your biggest learning from last year? What two hundred fortieth? Finish is that about there. Um, I think I was, I don't know, maybe 400 last year, 43rd the year before. There you go, not too bad. All right, so what's your biggest learning from last year for this season? <sighs> Sounds like a pretty obvious one, and you know, there's a million things, but I I just lost patience with bad only players last year, mate. I and McDermott was probably the prime example of that, paying up for these blokes who. You know, they can get a ball that shoots low or some bloke takes a screamer at gully and all of a sudden you've spent 180K or 200K on a bat and they get you one point, they drop cash. I just think you're playing with fire. So, you know, it's an obvious thing, Supercoach. I'm not reinventing the wheel by saying go all-rounders and go for wicket-keeper bats and that sort of thing. But And, and it probably reflected in that as my team stands at the moment, I don't have Colin Munro who looks pretty well locked into that triple game week for the Heat, one of the few I just, I just think you can just play so much more conservatively and have so much more success, even by just going wicket keeper bats from where. Even if they do go out and get their duck or their three runs, the single digit score, if they can take a couple of catches, it sort of propels them to twenty or thirty points. Which by the end of the season, it's going to add up. So, of course, you know when there's one team on a double, let's say the strikers in round two, and there's a Chris Lynn and everyone else is on the single, there's a time and place for them, or a Colin Munro on the triple in game one. But I'm just avoiding. Bat only players as much as I can. Yep, no, fair enough, man. I think I probably echoed that sentiment as well in my answer. Um, but mate, Tim Williams, that's been the expert voice. Thanks for having me, Maxi. Appreciate it, <laughs> uh, guys. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. We mentioned on last week's podcast, last round podcast, last round, the last podcast. It wasn't a week ago. It wasn't a round ago. It was about three days ago. But I had a coffee with Gareth from Sequel. Uh, we chatted about you know, reaching out and being able to, to help people that are battling with their punting a little bit. And and the thing that stood out for me in yarning with him was that he mentioned that so many people have a bad, so many of his clients and referrals and that sort of thing, that they have a bad day on the punt, putting strain on their relationship with their partners. The mood goes downhill, tensions boil over, arguments ensue, everyone's in a bad mood, relationships can bust up as a result of it. It doesn't have to be this way. If you've been in this position, you've had that blow up after a bad day on the punt at Rose Hill or on the cricket or the footy or whatever it might be, uh, reach out, get some help with it. There's absolutely no shame in it all. In fact, I think it's a pretty honourable thing to do to, to step up, admit you've got a little bit of a problem on the punt, get some help, make life better. It's completely free of charge, completely confidential. Cannot stress that enough. So take that first brave step and get in contact at on Instagram at Seekal Gambling. That's C-E-C-A-L Gambling. You can also email at gareth.w at seekal.org.au or give them a buzz once again anywhere you are in Australia or across the world, O2. Nine double five nine four zero one three. Maxi, let's rip into a few questions before we wrap up. The final podcast 
for round one. Uh, now, question number one from the Lerm. Great question. Hey, lads, who are we thinking for round one vice captain and captain? Maxi. I think uh, Lerm needs to listen back to our little chat on um, loop options because I think that that's going to come into consideration yeah. for me. Um, I have had the VC on a bunch of people from the Brisbane Heat. I had it on Billings when I brought in Munro. I put it on him. Um, I've gone down to Spencer Johnson just for the old tried and tre- tested sort of, you know, death bowler, um, high scoring options route for now. Um, but even that could change. Um, in terms of captain options, two come to mind at the moment. I've got to see right now on Tom Curran. Um, I just think he's got the hot role. Um, almost the last man standing as well for the Sydney Sixers, so he'll buy the big overs. Um, but I could also switch it to Aaron Hardy, which would give me a couple of chances to look at a Brisbane Heat BC um, and decide whether or not I want to, to loop or not. What have you got, Tim? If he does get named for game one, I'm thinking Michael Nisa. Honestly, with every player we're going to mention, there is risk involved, whether that's not getting the three games or the two games or whatever. Mm. It's really, really difficult. So Michael Nisa, if he's named for game one, if not, probably Spencer Johnson as well. Uh, Provided I do end up with a Heat player, I'm thinking going Jai Richardson again. I know there's a, a chance that if he plays game one and doesn't play game two, you know, that's going to hurt, but these are the risks you take to get ahead, don't you? Because the upside in Jai Richardson uh, is enormous. Maxie, Glenn Maxwell is an interesting one. You know, we're all looking at heat players and all this, but we all, you're know, all pretty well in agreement that if you're picking the top scorer for a game, you know, Maxwell's the safest bet. Could you just go early and just go Glenn Maxwell? And, and it's tricky because he's in game one against the heat, but what are your thoughts? I know that's what the Supercoach Spy uh, is planning to do mm-hmm. and he has been for weeks. The only thing I'd caution on Maxwell is that um, can he replicate his World Cup heroics? Absolutely he can. But as the skipper of the Melbourne Stars, he does tend to really take a back seat from firstly the hot fielding positions. He wants to sort of field closer into the ring to be with his bowlers and be able to sort of talk and organise the field. So he's not out in the outfield taking the big catches. Um, He also is quite reluctant to bowl himself. um, Mm. And his bowling is a lot more effective in India as a finger spinner um, than it is in the big bash. So um, is he going to bowl four every game? I really doubt it. Um, He might bowl one or two. Um, but yeah, sure, he can he can <laughs> score the most points like with the bat. With like we we know that for sure. I think he scored the most T Twenty international tons, which you can't sneeze at. So you totally could. I just need to give you that little caveat. Maxi Potten, Maxi, you heard it here first. Jeff Hatcher, first time player in a double game week. Can we bring a player in off the bench after one game? Now we kind of touched on this before, but uh, no, you can't. If you've got a player on the bench, let's say it, it's a player like Michael Misa from the Heat. Uh, and they play game one and he's on your bench, he's locked into that bench spot and you cannot. Uh, that is where we get a little bit tricky and we talk about loopholing. And as a first-time player, I recommend go onto the website, find that VC loophole yarn and or just auto-emergency loophole yarn and that should explain it, how you can get a bit tricky. But essentially, mate, no. Once they play, they're locked into that spot in your team. Maxie Riley, Gregor, how much should we leave in the cap for our round one team, she says, 50 to 100K. How do you approach that? I know it's a bit of a general question, but always interesting to get get a thought. I like to leave a lot, um, mostly because I play quite conservatively. I want to make sure that I can fix mistakes. Um, I think the biggest thing that you need to do is telegraph how you're going to get Matt Short for round two. Um, At $247,000, I think it is, 
he's going to be hard for a lot of people to afford. Um, he's, you know, if you've got a $180,000 player, um, it's almost $70,000 that you'll need in your bank to go like for like in round one, provided they sort of keep their prices. So um, what I would suggest before you sort of arrive at a number um, just have a look ahead at which strikers you want to bring in for round two, look at the prices, look at who you want to trade, and then work out how much you need to bridge the gap and just leave a little bit uh, behind. But yeah, I, I usually go at least um, at least 40 and just because I feel a little bit safer that, that way. So yeah, what about you, Tim? I actually like his, his figure of that 50 to 100K mark, and I try to land around about mm. that just to have a bit of a bit of freedom to make some moves. I will say a difference to, to probably AFL and NRL Supercoach is that you get the extra trade, you get three trades a week. So it, it provides a little bit more wiggle room to make some movements and find some cash. I try to sort of sit maybe close to that 100K mark in round one in NRL Supercoach just because you've only got two trades to make things happen. So you can be a bit less in BBL Supercoach. But yeah, I think 50 to 100K mark is pretty well bang on to, to where I sort of sit. Question from Krim Jono. <laughs> no, actually, I'm going to pass on this because I've already spoken about it, but it was Zampa or Majib. And the smart money is on Zampa, but don't overlook Majib because uh, if we're sitting here in a week's time, Majib's outscored him. Uh, you, I wouldn't be surprised. At wouldn't one, be shocked. Bit. Question from Matthew Heaton. This is a great question. Would you prefer eight bowling overs with a chance to bat or three innings batting with no chance of bowling. So I imagine Maddie here is sitting there looking at one of his players would be probably Colin Munro. What's your take there, Max? It's a good question. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and I think that it's one we've never had to deal with because we haven't ever had the triple. Mm. Um, the normal logic always says go to bowler. Um, but I would also sort of – this is where specificity comes into it because are we absolutely guaranteed eight? Like Will yeah. Sutherland's like a really great one when you look at Munro. Similar price, um, first-round double, good draw for the Melbourne Renegades. But like is he locked in to actually bowl four overs? Like I, I don't think so. Not not with Nick Maddinson sort of returning from fitness and um, is his bowling good enough to take wickets? I mean, well, it didn't last year. I think he went his last four or five games wicketless. So um, it really depends on the player. Um, but as a general rule of thumb, a great principle is always going for the bowler um, if you do have the choice. So, yeah, good good luck. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. I think we sort of spoke about my reservations around it before, but I'm taking – let's say it's a bowler like Zamp, who you know is going to get the four. It might be a Kane or a Jai Richardson. Uh, I'm taking those eight bowling overs from a proven gun. Question from Mark King. Uh, a bloke who – has not been mentioned at all, certainly around SC Playbook this preseason, but thoughts on Tom Rogers from the Stars. In good form, thinking instead of Marcus Stoinis, uh, he got a few runs during the week. Flying under the radar as an opener for the Stars with that good draw, Maxi. I think one aspect that is often overlooked in most fantasy formats is just players improving you know like yeah. we're looking always for roles we're looking always for draws but Tom Rogers as a young batter could simply just be a better player this year because he's more experienced um, for $116,000 I don't like it just because he's a super high risk player like he's he goes out there with a license to hit from ball one um, he could come off but I'd much rather almost take a punt on a guy like Jake Fraser McGurk who's better um, or if not better, as good um, and you know, effectively half the price. Um, 
very happy to have egg on my face um, if Tom Rogers comes out and outscores um, Marcus Stoinis. But having said that, Stoinis could also have a really bad role this year if he's batting five and not bowling. So wouldn't also be shocked if those two players, you know, were neck and neck with the scoring in round one. Yeah, not for me, Mark on Rogers, but Maxi summed it up well. There's no reason why he can't score well and be a super pod for your team. Uh, now, a question from Kyle Lomas. We've we've touched on this a little bit, Maxi, but I want to go into it a little bit more just because I think there's going to be a lot of super coaches asking this question. He says, with Eskenazi signing on with the Scorchers, does this affect Cooper Connolly's role? I'm thinking if Agar is out, Connolly bats middle order six or seven and may bowl four overs, noting the Scorchers' lack of spinning options. We have touched on this, but let's say he bats at he does bat at six or seven, like and there's no Agar. Are you expecting him to come out and bowl these four overs? Because is he in your team at the moment? He isn't, and he okay, hasn't tell been. Us, tell us why why he isn't. At the moment, I don't want too many non-playing players, mm. and I think that there's a chance that Cooper Connolly wears the 12th man bib a lot of times this season. Um, and I also don't know if he's going to have enough time to make much money in his time with the team. Now, in the past, he's been looper. I think he could become that guy again. Um, and given I've got Whiteman, I'm also expecting Whiteman to drop out of the best 11 at some point. And I think that he wants to, he can be my non-playing player in the wicketkeeper spot who I can use for VC loopholes like all sort of season long. So um, is there a world where Cooper you know, surpasses Eskenazi and opens the batting. Like, is he good enough to do that? Maybe. You know, Eskenazi was hardly convincing last year. Um, he's kind of out here based on sort of name and reputation more so than anything. Um, but I just don't foresee like a long-term great season for Cooper um, based on who they've signed at the moment, um, particularly with Laurie Evans mm. now back to sort of also beef up that middle order for the Scorchers. Yeah. He's one of the players that is very much wait and see on round one team, how they line up. But mm. a guy that could definitely drop out of my team, I think I'm going to have faith in him, back his talent. Uh, Max, you mentioned maybe he does, you know, propel ahead of Eskenazi in the order with a couple of runs. Something like that wouldn't surprise me one bit. So I'm going to back him in at this stage, but there are so many guys basically on that team. Darcy Short is a huge watch on that that lineup for for the strikers this season. So again, we'll all be in the WhatsApp chat. We'll post some stuff over socials as well across round one. So keep an eye on that. Maxi, we'll wrap that up for the final episode of the preseason, the first episode of the actual season, however you want to look at it. Um, how exciting. Mate, this is the slog. Um, it gets a lot easier from here. Yeah. Um, we only have to have those stressful days of um, rounds changing and lockouts. Um, you know, once every few days now, as opposed to every 10 minutes with a new signing. So, mate, been a ripper preseason. I hope the listeners have enjoyed it and I can't wait to get stuck in on Thursday night. Yeah, the hard yards have been put in, or at least they will have all been done in a couple of days' time. And then, as I said, it does get easier from here, guys. Uh, so, yeah, happy days. Good luck in round one. We will be floating around socials, all sorts of places leading into that. Uh, if you do enjoy the content, you want to say thanks, follow our social media content, SC Playbook Cricket on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. We're all over the shop. Cheers, guys, and good luck in round one. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 